Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again on Shock Your Potential, my little business podcast that focuses on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. Today, I'm bringing a new guest to you. His name is Matt Ward, and he is with a business called Breakthrough Champion. And welcome, Matt. Thank you for joining me today, first of all. Thank you for having me, Mike. Michael. I greatly appreciate it. I love love your podcast. It's very you have the dulcetones, I, I like to say. The radio <laughs> voice. That's what everybody makes fun of me and my family about. They're like, I never knew you could be so good on the radio. And I always They're not making fun of you, they're just jealous. <laughs> I always said, Well, hopefully I also have a, you know, a face for TV, but if I only have a face for radio, we know what I'm <laughs> It is what it is. Well, I'm really interested to hear more about um, about what you do, because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of my listeners. So let me just leave it to you first to, you know, give us an overview of, you know, what you do, you know, your focus, your mission. And, you know, what is it that you do with your business that tries to shock people, to shock them to their greatest potential? Sure. So for many years, I, I've had a web development company and now I'm a, a, a national corporate uh, speaker. I travel the country speaking about how to get more referrals, word of mouth referrals in your business through caring. And I think the concept behind caring is that if you truly care about other people, it will ultimately result in more word of mouth referrals. Amen. Uh, yeah, right. And and I think that is kind of the shocking part of the whole thing, right? Is because uh, I think so many people, I feel like somewhere along the way, we got lost in what sales really was. You see, sales is interpersonal communication. It is all about communication. In my web business, we used to get business. When we asked our clients why they came to us, uh, 65% of them said that they came to us because they couldn't get hold of their current web person. Wow. Right. And from a speaking perspective, how I try and cut through that noise is when I'm working with meeting planners, um, I'm, I'm texting them constantly as the meeting is approaching. So when I'm on plane, when I'm landed, when I'm at the venue, you know, when I'm up that morning, all that stuff, those little touches really matter. And so when it comes to caring in your business about other people, whether you're in a retail store or service business, when you care about other people, your name sort of rises to the top. And if you ask any marketer out there, the number one reason why you do marketing and advertising is to get top of mind awareness. So if you could get top of mind awareness, 
by just caring about other people and doing business with who truly, you know, gives you joy and makes your heart beat. Why wouldn't we want customers like that and and never have to worry about the the challenging customers that we sometimes face? Absolutely. And as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, for people who, you know, aren't speakers or aren't planning meetings, I think you can relate maybe in a different way, but that that meeting planner who is trying to coordinate hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of details for conferences, there's always a fear at the back of your head of what if my speaker doesn't show up, you know, or are they late or where are they? And so just making sure you're in contact with them releases their anxiety. It helps them to relax and know, okay, there's one of my 10,000 things today that I don't have to stress about because I know Matt's on his way. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's the one they can line up all the details. They can fill every single chair. They can sell all the sponsorships that they want. But if something happens and the speaker doesn't step on stage, mm-hmm. the whole thing is a problem. Unless, and, unless unless you or I are sitting in the audience and we'll say, we'll get up there right. and talk. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because we're prepared. We're professional speakers. And so that's the number one fear that meeting planners have is looking bad. Um, you know, they don't, most of, most meeting planners that we, we work with are employees of companies and they they could lose their job if this goes wrong. So they need that safety security net of a, of a, of a professional when it comes to that. Absolutely. So tell me then about your message and how do you get people? I mean, it, it, obviously it makes sense. And, you know, you and I visited a little bit before we started taping, it resonates with me that, you know, doing good or finding the good and, and trying to create positive experiences and look that way, you know, I believe makes the world a better place, but how do you get people to, to really look at that and make it something that they can put into action themselves? Well, so I think people, you know, who, who want change need to understand that the people they're trying to check affect change with or make a sale, for instance, somebody might want to make a sale. People who buy, uh, buy for one of two reasons. They either buy uh, to move toward pleasure or buy to move away from pain. And more often they're moving away from pain. They're having a problem somewhere else. And so it's about understanding where that's coming from and asking the right questions and then making sure that you are over delivering. And that is the first core component of what I call your personal care package is that when you have a relationship with a buying customer of some kind, you need to find a way to over deliver. Now that could just be over deliver in communication or it could be over deliver in the actual product or service. Maybe it's something as simple as over delivering in the packaging, right? So mm-hmm. the uh, let's talk about the retail industry, for example. Um, you know, everything I buy generally goes into a bag, and there's a lot of thought around the bags these days. Are they reusable bags? Are they plastic bags? Are they canvas bags? Are they embroidered bags? Are they are they monogrammed? Are they not? Do you bring your own? Do you get one? You know, well, when you think of the high end retail world. You don't have to worry about what your packaging is going to look like. You know you're going to get, you know, a a pen inside the most gorgeous box ever. Mm -hmm. But if you go into the dollar store, you're not expecting that. And so how can a a franchise owner of a dollar store change the way things are packaged to create a better customer experience for that user who's walking out the door to make sure that they refer their friends and come back? And it might be the way that the items are packaged or wrapped within the bag. These are things that owners need to think about 
as they're going through their day-to-day operations, what are the struggles that people are having when they get that packaging home? I mean, now mm-hmm. we have these things called um, uh, no stress or no frustration or frustration-free packaging, which is like that plastic <laughs> packaging that is like yeah. <laughs> embossed so that if you pull it, it, it opens. But yes, I like that like, when it uh, works. <laughs> right. When it works, that's the key, Michael, because sometimes mm-hmm. it fails to deliver. And so mm-hmm. when you buy something at a store and you get it home and you go to open that, you know that level of frustration when that doesn't work. And so I think that un- unfortunately, not a lot, a lot of user testing is going on in that area to, to solve that problem. But these are perfect examples of ways that you can iterate just a little a little bit. I have a, a friend, a speaker friend, Joey Coleman, who wrote a book recently called uh, never lose a customer again. It's a uh, New York Times bestseller, I believe. And in there, he talks about making small micro changes that really affect the user experience along the entire journey. And if you're just making a little, you know, so if you put together a user group to test this frustration free packaging, you might find that you can make one little change mm. if you're a manufacturer. Now, if you're retail, you know, maybe it's got to do uh, with the bags. Maybe it's really just asking the customer uh, <laughs> if they need the bag, if they want the bag. You know, there's a lot of different ways that they could improve that customer experience. So over-delivering is really a core tenant of of trying to get people to move in that direction of, of caring and making sure that they're going to get those greater word-of-mouth referrals. Well, and one of the things that I um, coach on constantly, because I work with a lot of of direct retail. Uh, so they're, you know, they're selling, you know, perfumes, they're selling jewelry, they're selling clothes, they're selling shoes. So they're, they're right in the midst of this. And I constantly have to remind people, you know, even before you get to that level, that extra caring is actually caring who walked through your door. So uh, my example always is if you're tied to your phone and somebody walks in the door and you're checking your Facebook status and you're thinking, well, they walked in, everybody else who walks in says, I'm just looking. So I'm going to finish posting whatever I'm posting. By the time you look up, that customer may not be gone, but even if they're there, you haven't engaged them. And so, you know, all the different elements that are about, that are, you know, kind of coming together to create that whole sense of, I care that you're here. You know, that's where a lot of times where I live in that, but you know, you're absolutely right. If you think about the details of that final packaging, that, that last touch that you have with them before they walk out the door, you know, thinking kind of the soup to nuts that, you know, those are the things that people say in their head, that was nice. That was where, oh, I love, to your point, I like how he wrapped my, you know, my socks and put them in one, mm-hmm. one extra thing of tissue paper. You know, those can be the... Well, you bring up a good point too, is, is right there, you mentioned socks and that, that reminds me of something and I'll tell you about that one second, but think about the frustration-free packaging for a second. You know, we all know that the store employee and the retail store did not create the frustration-free packaging that's going to be a problem in an hour when I get home. <laughs> However, if that person doing the checkout actually says, um, you know, uh, thank you for shopping at our store. I, I see this has got the frustration-free packaging. If for any reason uh, you have any frustration with this frustration-free packaging, you come back and we'll, we'll make sure to take care of mm-hmm. it for you. Just that little statement shows that you're right. caring. Right. It also shows some personality. You're poking some humor mm-hmm. at it. It softens 
the environment a little bit from any stress-free or worry that would happen when they got home and, and you can solve that problem. Now, Michael, you mentioned socks and I have to tell you, I, I open every one, every single one of my speeches with a story about John Cronin. John is, is a, the founder of John's crazy socks.com. Oh my gosh. Right. Awesome. You know who okay. John is? Very good. Uh, <laughs> so John's, John's story went viral. <laughs> And, and one of the reasons it went viral, I mean, he's had a little bit of help, but, but John has down syndrome and John does not let mm-hmm. that get him down. He, he believes that, um, he, his mission is to spread happiness through socks and George mm-hmm. W. Bush senior is a, um, it is a, a customer of John's crazy socks. And so he wears the socks everywhere when he vacations. And recently when he was attending, um, the, uh, wake of his wife in Texas, he had the socks on. Hmm. And so that went viral again. And this is like <laughs> a third time some story around their business has gone viral. But the most important thing you need to know about John Cronin is that uh, when you order socks from them, you don't just get socks. You actually get a little bag of candy. Oh, So it might be M&Ms, it might be Starburst, it might be Skittles. It, it's just a little bag of candy. Right. Mm-hmm. And you think about this touch that they have. And, and by the way, you also get a handwritten note from John. Oh. Right. And so when you open this up, this 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 box, this package of socks that you got in the mail, you, you start thinking to yourself, well, I bought socks, but <laughs> here's candy and here's a handwritten note. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think we all know handwritten notes are not very common. Anymore, Absolutely. Right. Emails are very common. So just the fact that you took the time to write a note. In fact, I have one right here. It says, thank you. I hope you love the socks, John. God, I love it. And I eat that candy before I even try on the socks every time it comes. (laughs) I'm a proud member of the Sock of the Month Club. (laughs) They have that there. And and they're just a fantastic organization to work with. Everybody there in the office and and his dad, Mark, I mean, they're just so awesome. And, And and they just set the bar, you know, and it doesn't take much. I mean, I don't know where they buy their candy, but based on the way it's packaged, I'm assuming it's some sort of bulk purchase that they're giving away these trial size candy, Mm -hmm. but, and it's costing them money to do this. But at the end of the day, the value they get from that is so overblown, you know, so larger. That's such an over delivery. I bought socks and I got candy. Yes, absolutely. And it's memorable and it's joyful and it's out of the ordinary and you feel special. And you smile. Yeah, absolutely. And don't we want to do business smiling every day? Yeah. Like we don't want the stress. It's hard enough to run a business, to worry about uh, whether staffing levels are going to be up or down or my part-time people are going to call out today or my <laughs> delivery truck is going to come in on time and how, how much product is on the delivery and who's going to stock the shelves and am I going to get it all done? And at the end of the day, every person who's running a checkout is expected to smile. They're expected to that. But if they genuinely care about the customer standing in front of them, there will be no expectation. It will be natural. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, they're going to get more business that way. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's something that, you know, it, we say it and a lot of people say it, but, you know, putting it in action really isn't that hard. And yet not everybody does. And I think uh, especially 
with how easy it is to get wrapped up in, you know, your own stuff or, you know, the, I, I, I say it often. I, you know, I think that our phones and our connectivity are wonderful in some ways, but if we use them to escape the fact that there's somebody in front of us, somebody we went to dinner with, somebody, you know, where we are visiting mm-hmm. with someone that, you know, we wanted to sit down and, and have a cup of coffee with somebody who's walked into our store, it keeps us from having that be kind of muscle memory to smile and engage and talk and try to have that sense of a focus on another human being. We're dealing, we're human beings dealing with human beings. Right. And, 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 and so I, I believe that that leads me right into the second point of my personal care package, which is listening. Now, listening can be done uh, in an audio way. It can also be done through visually, like watching somebody do something. Mm -hmm. Right. And it can be done through reading. So watching what happens on social media. So the best example I can I can give you of this is is it's the fact that everybody posts everything they want the world to know on Facebook. Right. (laughs) I mean, there is everything about all your friends on Facebook. You know who's getting married, who's having a bad day, (laughs) when their birthdays are. But what what we don't really do is we don't find ways to cut through that noise. We don't find ways to truly care. If somebody has a loss in the family, which is a very sad situation mm-hmm. in, in that family, oftentimes you'll find that people are posting, sorry for your lost prayers, mm-hmm. you know, things God's like prayers. that. Mm-hmm. But rarely do people actually reach out. Yes. Do they send sympathy cards? Do they call on the phone or text or find a way to connect and actually listen? See, listening can be done in so many different forms. And part of what you're talking about with the phones is putting them down so that you can listen mm-hmm. to what others are saying. And 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 look, I wouldn't be here today if the phone didn't exist because it helped my web business grow. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it's the connectivity, the connection piece that matters. It's caring about other people. You know, one of the best examples I can give you, Michael, is when it's your birthday on Facebook, what happens? Oh, goodness gracious. I... You're, I, you're overwhelmed by with, with wall postings, right? Yes, and I try to respond to each one of them because I want to say right. I acknowledge each one of you individually. <laughs> Very time-consuming effort. However, if you and I both today go to Facebook and change our birthdays to someday next week, mm-hmm. nobody will know that I had one two months ago. <laughs> that's right, and they will all post again. Yeah, because they don't truly know your birthday, right? But yet Facebook gives you the tool to actually look in there for upcoming birthdays, weeks and weeks and weeks out, in which you can make a little list, yeah. put it in your daytime or another contact tool, and send an actual birthday card. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everybody does it. I'm not perfect. I don't do it either. I do it for some people. I can't do it for all five thousand friends or whatever the number is these days. Um, you're going to have to pick and choose the relationships that you want to grow and truly connect with. You know, but if you're listening and you know your customers, even from a retail standpoint, if you're having true conversations, think about a local mom and pop hardware store. They know everything about the people that walk in there. Mm -hmm. They know their families. They know how long they lived in town. They know what project they're working on. It doesn't take much to actually say to, hey, John, how's the sunroom going? How's the deck going? How's the yard landscaping going. Did you get the picnic table built? Absolutely. How, are you enjoying that? You know, it's just a little bit of attention to the other person to think and care about what they're doing and what they were working on goes a very, very long way. 
Absolutely. And it, it makes you want to go back there and want to make you shop there and, you know, have that personal attention because you feel wanted. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think it's, um, it's, it's interesting to me so many times when you may experience this too, you know, especially with your example in the beginning of the meeting planners, where people are shocked when you do things that, you know, seem to me second nature. And I'll give you an example. I'm um, chairing several different uh, panel discussions and fireside chats at a, uh, an event coming up, a co- two-day conference coming up in a few weeks. And I've been reaching out to all the people that are going to be on the panels. And uh, so I, I said, I'd just like to schedule, you know, a 30-minute call with you, get to know you, make sure I, you know, have your bio down. I want to make sure I pronounce your name right. I want to make sure mm-hmm. that whatever your key message that you want to get across to that audience, that we make sure we get it. Because as you know, when you get in panel discussions and you're either participating or you're leading or you're listening, it can go all over the place depending on what you know one person may ask of the audience. So for me, I like to have as much information. And every person has been like, wow, nobody's ever asked me this before. You know, the people that are organizing it are going, really? You want to have calls with you know 20 people? Yes, I do. I want to make sure that I mm. know about them because that reflects on me, the job I do. But also that personal touch that I make with those individuals makes them feel like I know them on that, on that day when I walk in, I don't want them to wonder who this person is, who doesn't know other than, you know, reading their name off a clipboard, but I'm always shocked when people are shocked that I, I want to do those things because it makes me ask, you know, where, where has this gone? Why are we, why are we lacking this overall as a culture? Mm. I think I think it's the time management stuff. It's it's the fact that everybody feels like they don't have enough time in the day. Yeah, and you, you have, know, and you have to prioritize what's most important. Right, and so they're not. They might be prioritizing work in some capacity, but maybe not prioritizing their relationships. Yeah, you know, and in, in, in all honesty, I I was like that some time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I I I. I don't always I have to catch myself. It's, this is a behavior. This is a practice. This is a habit. And sometimes we fall out of habits on a regular basis. We're eating healthy and then all of a sudden we're not. <laughs> or like me, I eat healthy for like a day and then not for the rest of the year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just a matter of just, just, just building up the habit. You know, I started on this journey many years ago when I read the book, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Mm-hmm. And that book really isn't about having lunches nope. or dinners. It's it, it's the concept of to give without the expectation of getting anything in return. Absolutely. And the first time I started giving, I started thinking to myself, when is my turn? Uh, and I started to beat down that inner critic, that thought process. And over time, that habit became nothing more I never thought of it ever again. Mm -hmm. So now I'm able to give without the expectation of getting anything in return. And I believe it will come back to me through other opportunities and other ways at a future point in time that somebody will give to me without expecting anything in return. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, you know, I call it muscle memory, you know, that you have to practice. And uh, one, this is kind of a random story, but you know, I started this fall, I was sitting back looking at, you know, how I was organizing my time and trying to get, you know, my next book done and had all these things on my agenda. And I said, okay, here's the problem on days that I 
that I exercise and I meditate and I write in my journal, you know, and I plan, I do really, really well. I'm highly productive. But why do I only do one out of the three or maybe two out of the three? So I looked back on the six weeks prior because I put this little star. I just, you know, took my blue pen and made a star on my calendar. And then the six weeks prior, I'd only ever done all three, like four times. So I sent it out as my mission. So from October 5th, through now, and I'm going one whole year, I have all these crazy calendars taped to my walls in my office with gold <laughs> foam stars. <laughs> and every day I do three, uh, all three, I get a star. And I made it all the way till Christmas before I missed one. <laughs> and we were... So, you, yeah, they call that gamification. Yeah, You've I'm made getting, a game out absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. But what it did for me is now I feel off when I don't do them. Now I kind of slipped in April because I was like, oh, I'm, I kind of dialed it in a little bit. And, you know, I got, you know, I only, I missed probably more stars. I think I missed four, one, two, three. I missed three in April, which is the most I'd missed in a month, but I really didn't give it my all, you know, near the end of the month, I said, this is crazy. What are you doing? And I started again. And now I get, I get my gold star before nine o'clock most mornings and it changes my wow. day. But what it changes also is it changes every interaction I have for the rest of the day. Because I feel good about myself. I feel successful. And so every interaction I have, I feel like I'm giving more of me. And therefore, you know, in terms of what things come back to you, it really, it really does. And hopefully that's an individual interactions. It's when I'm taping a podcast. It's when I'm doing a, you know, a speaker training session or I'm going in to speak to a group. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I don't practice that good stuff, how can I expect to have you know, keep myself in the mental space that I need to keep it. I I think we all struggle from time to time with, you know, mailing it in and not doing our best. And, and um, yeah. I, I, I think those that are able to rise above uh, the, the standard are the ones who recognize that they are in fact mailing it in and they change and they, and they take action. Right. You know, I've always believed that you know, sort of 3% of society takes action on a consistent and regular basis. And I call them the 3% tribe, you know, and <laughs> just consistently performing, you know, and they're not worried about failure. You know, um, there, there are many, many people that failed in life. Um, Milton Hershey is one of my icons. I grew up in Hershey. He, he failed and filed bankruptcy twice before he started the Lancaster Carmel company, which he eventually sold for a million dollars and then built the Hershey <laughs> chocolate company from that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of people you can look to, to say, you know, who can I look up to and what are their life stories and how can I improve? And that's the one thing, I mean, as I look back on my life, I, I kind of feel like the one thing I wish I would have done when I was younger is, is like read more. I'm not the biggest reader, but now I read incessantly when it comes to business books. I listen to mm -hmm. Podcasts, obviously, because I learn a lot. I listen to mm -hmm. audiobooks. Sometimes I'll listen to an audiobook and read the book at the same, like the hardcover at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I just pride myself on being a lifelong learner. I'm, uh, you know, I went to like one semester of college and dropped out. And, uh, but I'm the youngest of three boys, mm -hmm. the first to graduate high school and the only one not to go to prison. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm addicted to yeah, chocolate, so it's probably a good thing that, uh, that I didn't go there because I don't have very good chocolate there. You could have also had a career as a stand-up comic, I think. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I work, work hard all the time on this 
stuff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's my life and I kind of, I guess, I guess life to a degree is funny, right? I mean, I, Absolutely. I embrace it. It is what it is, but, um, I tell, I tell people I went to the University of Google and I got the t-shirt to prove it because <laughs> um, I found a t-shirt on Google that said University of Google. Oh my God. But literally I've taught myself everything I know, um, at least to build my web company years ago through Google searches. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things where I try a lot of things and I fail an awful lot, mm -hmm. um, but I'm never ashamed ever ashamed that I tried. Like these ideas we're talking about at the registers for these retail stores and walking around the store and having conversations with people, you know, you're going to strike out. Um, the best people strike out a lot. Absolutely. You know, in, in Major League Baseball, if you're hitting 300, you're a rock star, <laughs> you know? So that's three out of 10. Yeah. So if you're not trying these different questions and different things at the at the cash register and and, and trying different things with bags and sales and, and, and conversation points. And, you know, you just try one thing Absolutely. and you do it until it doesn't work. And then you change that and you modify it uh, because eventually three years from now, what you started out doing today, isn't going to be the same three years from now. And you'll never think today of the idea of what this thing would be that you're going to develop three years from now. You know, about a year ago, I went to a conference and a woman who was on a panel uh, said, I, I, I believe that it's only a mistake if you make it, if you do it twice. And I thought, you know, mm -hmm. that is a really profound statement because it really gives you the freedom to say, it's not a mistake. It's a learning opportunity. Now, if I mm -hmm. knowingly do that again, <laughs> <laughs> then it's a mistake because, and it becomes my fault. But if I, you know, if I'm trying something and it, it doesn't work, I'm not a failure and I haven't made a mistake. I've, I've just learned one way it wasn't supposed to happen. Isn't it uh, Thomas Edison who said something I've, you know, I learned 110 ways not to make a light bulb. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, there you go. I don't have the quote yeah. quite correct, but. I mean, Michael Jordan missed over 9,000 shots in his career. Absolutely. And he failed over, he was quoted saying, I failed over and over and over again. And that is why I Absolutely. succeed. Um, I, I, I know many people who believe in, in failure and uh, I've believed in it. I put it in my 12 business tips to improve your business. It's, it's one of my key component, component things. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a friend who once said to me um, that fear, so, so fear is the number one reason why people don't take risk, right? They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of what's going to happen, mm -hmm. but fear is only in front of you. You see, once you take action, fear is now behind mm. you. That is profound. And, um, yeah, so th this was, this was Rick that, that told me this and, um, and it, it was very profound because I realized the minute he said that, I'm like, wow, is that not accurate or what? Yeah. Because you, you're not going to look back at that fear. Once you look, the day I went bungee jumping and I stepped off that crane in the middle of a field at 150 feet high, I can't step back and go, oh, no, 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 the fear is too great. I'll just go back. <laughs> That's true. No, no, no. And when you're in a whitewater rafting boat, and you're going up against a class five or six rapids. I've done this three or four times. You have some fear. Yeah, I assure you. Absolutely. 
But you're not jumping out of the boat. No, because you're more afraid of that. Because that's stupid. Right. Right. So you know, it's past you at that point. So you just got to move forward and and um and and take action on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's I, what I'm all about. I think that's great. I hadn't really thought about that because I I will not bungee jump. I don't see any need. Nor will I jump out of a perfectly good airplane without you know having to. But uh, a couple years ago, my husband. Uh, took me to, uh, we were at um, Park City, Utah, and we did the zip line that is at the same um, pitch mm-hmm. as the Olympic ski jump. And, you know, we waited, we waited oh. 45 minutes in that line. We got up there, they put me in the harness, you're right behind this gate. And I'm going, I looked at him like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He goes, do you, you, are you changing your mind? I said, no, I, I'm going to do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and that that moment, the gate opened. And the first drop, I screamed for maybe three seconds with pure terror. You know, just that, oh my God, what the heck am I doing? And then the the next 30 seconds, because it's only 35 seconds to the bottom, next 30 seconds, I laughed and screamed with just pure joy. And I got down to the bottom and the guy goes, he's laughing so hard. He goes, if it wasn't 20 minutes before closing time, I would pay to have you do that again. (laughs) He goes, the entire, everybody (laughs) here heard you and everybody stopped and had a smile on their face. (laughs) That's great. That's the energy releasing from the laughter, right? I mean, mean, yeah, because all the pain, all the fear was left in that first three seconds of the drop. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well enjoy it. (laughs) Don't close your eyes. And I had to. Right. If this thing's going to break now, let's just. Let's just enjoy and laughing I had all the way. Myself, open my eyes. I'm like, open That's... your eyes. You, you stood in line for 45 minutes. You know. Uh... <laughs> Oh, well, Matt, this so has been good. a pleasure. You've already answered my other two questions too, because I always ask about the best customer service or sales experience. And I, I love John Socks. Um, my husband's uncle is um, yeah. is Down syndrome, and he is in his fifties. Never have mm-hmm. uh, never have lived this long mm-hmm. uh, or this well, and he is just such a joy. So I had heard about John Socks. That was fun, and so now I pulled up the website, and I'm going to have to order some. Um, and you also said that, you know, you gave me your, your advice to your mm-hmm. yourself to read more, which is, I hear a lot of people say that. I think it's so important. There's a wealth of information. And if you don't like reading books, there's so many ways to get mm-hmm. it, you know, to listen to it, to, to download it, just to have it be present. And even if there's things mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, topics or ideas that you agree with, I think just the fact that we open our minds and our hearts to lots of different things that will make us better every day is, is just, it's such a gift that we have that opportunity, you know, how we live and where we live without a doubt. So as we wrap today, any last pieces of advice you want to leave my listeners with mm-hmm. today? You know, I mean, the last piece of advice, I, I guess I would say is, is just, you know, care about others, take action. Um, you know, I don't want to be cliche and say live today, like there's no tomorrow, but, you know, I think you just have to, reinvent in minuscule opportunities, small little baby steps that create powerful, powerful changes in business and uh, are reflective two and three years down the road. So that's what I would, that's what I would suggest. I love it. Well, I thank you very much. And I know people can find more out about you at your website, which is breakthrough-champion.com. That's right. And I'm going to put up uh, that 12 tip download for them on breakthrough-champion.com slash shock. 
Shock. S H O C K. Awesome. I will. Uh, I will have that on there as well, and I'll have all your show notes uh, with your website link as well. I sure uh, appreciate you being on our podcast today. And I say our because I'm the royal we, because uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I belong. <laughs> I should get an invitation to the wedding that's coming up. But uh, I really appreciate your time and your vision, and uh, keep making a difference in what you do. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on, Michael. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.